Hello, everyone. Welcome. Just waiting for Instagram to catch back up. Um, but it's History Tea Time Chat Live. How is everybody? I hope you're all well, Colleen. Over there in California at six o'clock. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Um, it's a really dull day here. I hope you've got more. Hello, everyone. History Tea Time Chat Live. I hope you're all well. Um, today, it's a really a behind the scenes chat today because um, because I've been head down in doing some incredible, incredibly cool stuff. I have, for example, literally just got off Zoom with James Clark, who I'm desperate to tell you more about and his work and you don't won't have to wait too long until you hear my interview with him he wrote this book which I, I keep talking about dissolution of the monasteries a new history um so I've just been speaking to him so I'll tell you a bit more about that later um been really busy with tour stuff and incredibly busy with um with the Georgian Online History Festival, which is coming up. Khan Hobbs123 has bought me a badge on Instagram. Thank you so much. I am streaming live on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, as I am, am every Wednesday um, for this History Tea Time Chat Live. And usually I have a topic that I'm going to cover, but as I said, it's a, more of a behind the scenes today. I'll, I'm going to chat to you about some stuff that I think you um, will find interesting, might want to get involved in, because there's there's all this this history community that we have is so wonderful it's so wonderful and you know we've got opportunities to get together to to explore the history and with people that aren't going to roll their eyes at you when you start talking about Henry VIII or Anne Boleyn thank you Melissa for the badge much much appreciated thank you so much thank you to everyone who supports me either by buying a badge on Instagram or um, Charlene has become a new member on YouTube thank you so much you can also do super chats I think on uh, well you definitely can on YouTube and if you do a super chat I will pop your comment up on the screen um, Facebook you can also buy stars apparently I love the way they all have to come up with their own thing which is basically the same thing, come up with a different name. Lisa in um, North Carolina, hi, how are you doing? Um, David, yeah, David Rothstein Music. The thing about history is there's more of it every day, indeed, which is a good point of humility. You know, we can't know everything. And just because it happened, it's already happened, doesn't certainly doesn't mean that we're any more qualified to know everything that happened and the dissolution of the monasteries like I was just talking about the interview that I've just done is actually a perfect example um I'll go into that in a bit more detail in a moment Brian yeah hello down there in Cornwall wet um white Jennifer thanks for the fun well thank you for for being here um it's lovely it's very very nice of you to spend your time um time with me oh Laurie Lisa says it's wet in California oh well there you go I'm no, no longer no longer jealous of your sunshine for the moment anyway um I am uh, do you know I don't want to jinx it mm, third time lucky tomorrow hopefully keep your fingers crossed for me everybody I am on my way <laughs> Beaver Castle. I've told you over and over that I will speak to you about my 
my visit to Beaver Castle and then an overturn lorry uh, had other ideas the first time and the snow had other ideas the second time. So keep your fingers crossed for me that I will be there tomorrow and I'll be able to talk to you about it next week. Becky, what's this about the dissolution? Well, hold on and I will tell you. Um, Yeah. Oh, Maria is in Argentina. Hi, welcome. I always just think of it Ava Prawn, which is really ridiculous, isn't it? Ava Prawn and football is uh is high up on my in my mind. Um a few rainy days over there in Poland. Mayfair Forest Witch, hi, how are you? I must tell you before I forget about History After Dark. So any of you who aren't currently following us on History After Dark, if you like your history a bit spicy, then Come along tonight. We live stream at 8.15pm. Sounds like a random time. Probably is quite a random time. But that's because Catherine, <laughs> one of our trio, is a Pilates teacher and she teaches until 8 o'clock. Uh, so 8.15 and with there every Wednesday we stream live on Instagram. We stream live on YouTube as history uh, dot after dot dark on Instagram and instead of the dots the underscores on youtube because some buggers got the name first and aren't using it but there you go uh we talk about history after dark because currently it is dark and anyway when we started it it was it was dark uh and now we're in our third year i think we well i think we're coming up to our second anniversary so we're almost going into our third year and this year 2023 is the year of the deceased git so we are talking about people who didn't behave very well in uh, in in history. Actually, no one really behaved very well. Let's be fair. But we're having a look at certain ones tonight. Uh, we are talking about Isabella of France, so uh, the wife of Edward II, deposed Edward II, reigned as regent in place of her son Edward III for a short while. Um, she is our topic of conversation on history after dark tonight. So. Um, so please join us for that. David asks me, what British historical figure would I most like to interview? Ooh. I don't know. Who would you like to interview, everybody? Who would you be your suggestions? Who would I most like to interview? I mean, I think it depends what I want to ask them, whether I want to ask them about their time or whether I want to ask them what they make of our time. So if I was wanting to interview somebody about what do they make of what's happening now, I would probably go to somebody like Winston Churchill. I would like to know his um, his take. If I was interviewing somebody about their own times, ooh, there's probably quite a few. I'd quite like to speak to, um, I'd quite like to speak to Queen Anne, Stuart, the last of the Stuart monarchs. Um, I quite like to talk to Mary Tudor. Was she? What was her? What was she actually intending to do when she came to the throne in terms of the Counter Reformation? How did she actually vision what what was going to happen and what she wanted to happen? Thank you for the question. That's really interesting, Rebecca. Wednesdays are my new favourite day for exactly that reason. Had I presume? Uh, yeah, it's very fun. It's very fun. Um, uh, Shneya Samel Lazari, Lazari. Thank you from Mumbai. British history always gives me an eerie deja vu feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, flooding and mudslides in California. Oh goodness me! 
Prince Harry had to evacuate a few weeks ago. Didn't even know that. Um, Amy never misses a history after dark. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Catherine would like to interview Anne Boleyn. Chelsea, Richard III. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Churchill, yeah. Uh, who else we've got? Amy would like to um, interview Elizabeth Woodville. Oh, yeah. Love to know what kind of person she was, um, you know, for sitting down and having a chat with. Some brilliant suggestions there. Some fantastic suggestions. Um, right. So, what, <laughs> so, yeah. So, like I say, it's going to be a little bit more behind the scenes tonight, uh, today, excuse me. Um, normally, I've got a topic I want to particularly talk to you about because it's an anniversary or something. So, last week we did um, Henry VIII um, and his jousting accident. Um, oh, Lisa, Queen Charlotte. Yeah. Princess Charlotte is another one. Uh, who I'd have liked to have met. Oh, goodness. See, I knew I wouldn't be able to choose one person. Um, I also, what else have we done? We've done um, we've done King John's Will and the Dane's Skin. That was after my visit to Worcester Archives, of which I still need to do the editing. I don't know if, any, if, if some of you know this because you've been following me for, for a long time, but absolutely everything is in my hands. So, from the um, the recording and the script writing and the, the arrangement of visits to right through to the editing and the uploading and the management of the social media channels. It's, it's all me. So occasionally I, uh, I, I get a little bit, not behind, but I'm not as quick as I, as I would be had I got a, a team, if you know anyone who wants some work experience. Um, that would be great. Uh, Rebecca, my... Named, I named my son Theodore for Theodore Roosevelt. He's my forever history crush. It'd be less interview and more awkward flirting on the bordering on harassment. <laughs> oh, that's a point. Yeah, this is probably more history after dark uh, discussion. But who's, who's your history crush? Who, like, if 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 if, if is there somebody now that if they walked in the room, you just wouldn't be able to talk. Is there someone from history that you think that would that would also happen? I'd love to speak to them, but actually, in reality, there's no way you'd be able to get your words out. That'd be hilarious. That'd be hilarious. Um, so, so, so I have just, uh, like I said a little bit earlier, come off Zoom interviewing James Clark. Now, anyone who's interested in Tudor history, which is generally most people, Anyone who's interested, especially in the story of um, of Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn and Catherine of Aragon and, and the, the marriage breakdown of the first marriage in order for the second one and the Reformation and all of that, you need to read this. But well, first of all, you need to watch the interview that I've just done with James Clark, which will be out. Um, I'll tell you. No, I won't because I've lost oh, my sheet, um, which is going to be out on the 12th of March, not March, because that would be that would be in history. 12th of April for um, for patrons and the week after that, whatever date that would make it, the 19th, would it for um, for general release? Either way, it's in. I don't think I've written down the right date there, but either way, in April, my interview with James will go live on YouTube. Um, patrons, you get it a week earlier. You get the extended version because I have the questions that you put forward for James um, 
at the end of the interview. And so anyone who doesn't know, any member of my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash British history, get to submit questions. When I'm about to interview a historian, they get to submit their own questions. I put those questions to the historian at the end of our main interview. And then that extended interview is what patrons get. They also get it ad free. Why not? Exactly. It's a bit, bit, bit easier to, uh, to watch when you're not being inter- in, interrupted. Um, so I was, right. So as I said, if you're interested in Tudors, you're interested especially in sort of Henry VIII Anne Boleyn story, you will have heard of the dissolution of the monasteries, of course. Now, the, I think the dissolution of the monasteries, as I now understand it, is so nuanced and so, if I want to put it in a nutshell, so different to what we are kind of normally led to believe if you're reading just about Tudor history. Um, it's, I think, so complex. I mean, in a, in a completely and utterly fascinating way, by the way. It's not heavy, but um, it, it's been a victim of having to summarise um, it down what was... A, a complex, far-reaching, um, and um, all-encompassing change. It's like with the, with the monasteries being dissolved. It's not just the religious houses, but they would have had, like for instance, in Worcester, there was a hospital. It's now called the Commandery. The monastic hospital was um, att- uh, run by or overseen by the uh, the cathedral and the monastic. Uh, brothers there but it was but it was outside of the complex just so those all went as well um it, it it's not just the actual religious houses that you that you might think of as the churches or the abbeys so it was a huge change and I think because it was so big and because the people that it affected um you know in terms of um you, 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 the population, the general population of the country, those records aren't either have, weren't made, aren't weren't kept, um, or are too disparate. Maybe I don't know to 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 have put into some kind of coherent um, uh, sort of narrative. But also, let's be fair, people are more drawn to the higher level history you know the politics that were going on the the religious in this case reformation that was going on the the, the political landscape so the you know, we want to we want to talk about the ro- you know royalty and um understanding henry the uh motivations now this this interview and the book will challenge your assumptions on the dissolution of the monasteries so I don't know if anyone's a fast typer and you want to pop into the comments. What what's the main narrative? What do you think Henry's reason for closing the monasteries was? Excuse me, I need to take a drink. What's your understanding? And while you're doing that, I'll just show you um, James's book. So don't let it put you off. I did, as usual, listen to the Audible version first. Um, I've actually listened to the audible version a couple of times now in in bits I sort of go back to to certain bits but this is the book 
It's now available in um, in paperback. David saying money, yeah, that's 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 the reason. That's one of the things we're told Henry wanted money from the monasteries. Um, yeah, so this is the this is the book. Don't let it put you off that it's so big because it is a page turner, and the last the last so far is um, is um, I still haven't got to the end of it. The index. So it's about 600 and something pages long. No, it's not. I'm telling a fib. About 540 pages long, something like that. So that much is, that much is index. So you see, you've only got that much to read. It's so good, though. It's so good. And like I say, you could start with watching the interview that I'm doing with James, which will be out in April. And if you're a patron, of course, you get that a week early. So who else we've got? David, yeah, David said money. Um, Caroline, reduction of political threat in that people had been have hidden or been hidden in monasteries for centuries yeah really interesting and also it's been put across as a a sort of a fait accompli from quite early on there was this um this 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 plan already thought through this intention to close all of the uh monastic houses lisa to rule without input from rome yeah rebecca money and to further discredit and diminish excuse me the catholic faith yeah yeah and um i think the money one overrides uh, not overrides it sort of oversees this idea that that we've been given that um that, that, that there was this idea in the first sorry from the from the early onset of this idea that every monastic institution would be closed. And in fact, right up until the end, right up until when there were only a few left, those few thought that there was a way forward, that they were going to be able to negotiate a way to remain open. They did not believe still, even by Christmas 1539, and they were all closed by Easter 1540, that there would be, a, a, that every one of them would have gone. And that's because, oh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but let's go into it. There's so much to know. Well, I'm not going to spoil any of it. That, that is because, as James explains it in the interview I've just done with him, which I can't wait for you to see. By the way, put some time aside or watch it in snippets because it's almost two hours long, honestly. And I could have spoken to him for so much longer. It's it, it was incredible. Um, oh, hello, Sherry. How are you doing in Virginia? How are you? She's booked onto a, a tour. Um, uh, so, yeah, so Henry's idea from the beginning, and I say Henry, meaning, of course, sort of the collective of maybe Henry and Cromwell, Henry and his, and his closest confidants, was to reform the um, the the... The, the monasteries of the of the country, and before before Henry put himself as head of the church, hello Debbie, how are you doing in New Jersey? Um, before Henry VIII puts himself as head of the church in England, the monastic institutions are not answerable to him because they they usually have a mother house on the continent. Perhaps they're answerable to the Pope. Um, but there's a there's a separation of church and state with Henry putting himself as the 
head of the church in England, of course, he is now head of state and head of the church. And as head of the church, he is head of these uh, religious uh, houses. And um, sort of reformation, no, that's probably going to be the wrong word, um, but of there was always a um, a audit, let's say, of monasteries that perhaps couldn't sustain themselves and there would be closures. So this has always been, thank you, Maria. She likes my hair today. Um, there's always been a, or there had always been, excuse me, an assessment of the viability, like you would with a business, the viability of a house, of an institution. And so smaller ones that weren't paying their way effectively, couldn't support themselves, might be closed and the funds and the and the, the monks move somewhere else. And that way it it all it ha- they have to be able to sustain. And the the you know the the, the vision is always for these institutions, they're going to carry on. They're going to carry on and carry on and carry on. And so we must keep them um viable in order for them to be there for future um generations. Um let me just say a few hellos. Crazy artist lady, hello in Ontario, Canada. Yes, you have a lot of snow, I believe. <laughs> I love the emojis for explaining what weather you've got. My emoji at the moment would be the rain cloud. Well, just cloud. Ugh. Come on, spring. I told you before, I'm solar powered. Um, Debbie, the church didn't want to lose money either. No, and... Henry so so there was a few things so in the beginning so Henry puts himself as the head of he becomes well he does put himself as the head of the church in England so there's a bit of an audit it's a bit like you know a new CEO has taken over what is it that I'm looking after here what is it that I'm running and you have an assessment of the houses um, in terms of their income can they sustain themselves and smaller ones are closed these can't sustain themselves it's probably better that we just um consolidate into larger houses also then you have a fewer number so you have in theory a more malleable a more loyal a more um easy to to influence set of still powerful um, uh, institutions in in your country, and Henry wanted this. Henry wanted the the bolster uh, of his, his his royal, you know, his royal mm, uh, influence of his stature to be bolstered by these instit- institutions. So the idea was that they would become quite a supporting force for the crown. Um. So how did you go from having that as Henry's idea to a full-scale closure of all the monastic houses? Um, and, you know, James goes into it over 540 pages. It's incredible. It's fa- you know, it is absolutely fascinating. I honestly, I would recommend this book really highly. Um, Dissolution of the Monasteries, A New History by James Clark. Um, because it is nuanced. Um I mean, Debbie's saying there the church didn't want to lose their money either. No, 
Now, there's so many different elements to it. So, yeah, the church, there was plenty um, of 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 these places that wanted to work with the king and be that support for him. Um, they didn't want to be closed, of course. Um, and it seemed like an opportunity. It seemed like the king wanted a critical friend. and um, But, of course, Henry, the paranoid person that he, he was and increasingly so over this really quite short we think of it as a four-year period 1536 to 1540 where the where the religious houses were closed but in fact it's sort of mid 1536 to easter 1540 so it's shorter than four years um over that time he becomes um increasingly um paranoid and that that um, you'll hear James give the full explanation for that in my interview with him. But that is um, really the thing that toppled the idea of reforming the monasteries into closing them. Uh, Maria, my dissolution of the monasteries came and is to- uh, and on top of it being a hefty tomb that's not too portable, I'm gutted because the writing is teeny and inaccessible. Oh, oh well, yeah, it is quite small. It is quite small. We're going to have to see about see about something. I don't know. Can you get audible? Maybe you can follow it along. I really struggle with my eyesight, which is why I uh, I'm a big audible fan. But then I can't help but have the have the book as well. Richard's in Barcelona. Barcelona. Hello. So. Um, yes so where was I dissolution of monasteries so it is it is really um, it is it is nuanced and it's complex but also even if you did want to summarize it you would find um, when you understand it more now I'm hoping I understand it more um, that it was just not what we would what we're, we're led to believe. And it's certainly not a story which is an appendage to Henry VIII's and Anne Boleyn's story. Um, yeah, Rebecca says, uh, Dr. Cameron recommend the reedy thing that she uses that, yeah, I'm also blanking the name of as well, Rebecca. Maria, we'll ask Kat what she uses. Um, hello, Mia, how are you? So thank you everyone for joining me. Um, and thank you everyone who's bought badges on Instagram. So if you want to support me um, in doing these these free live streams, then then you can buy badges on Instagram, stars on Facebook, super chats on YouTube. That would be fabulous. Um, Maria, think of checking out to see if it's available on Audible. Yep. Um, yeah, I really do. Yeah, do, do. Or Cam, Rebecca, thank you. Or Cam. Maria, so that's what uh, that's what Dr. Cat uses as well, and it re- it scans a page and reads it out for you. Um, so I do have some thank yous actually, please, that I just need to do. Jenna has joined my Patreon, and um, Charlene has become a YouTube member. So thank you ever so much. Um, and members of my Patreon, we have our first book club meeting on Sunday. Um, so our, our current book in book club that we will be talking about on Sunday, sorry, it's a little bit blurry on Instagram, is Gareth Russell's book about the Titanic, The Ship of Dreams, and um, The Sinking of the Titanic and the End of the Edwardian Era. And he loves his long titles, but 
the the Edwardian era part of it is really key actually in this book because you learn so much about uh, about the Edwardian era. Colleen, um, Colleen's in, in my patron and will be there. Um, I don't know if you found that you found you you learned a lot about the actual life and times of that era and also um, uh, Anglo american relations as well which i found really fascinating um it's also the start if any of you've watched my interview with gareth about the titanic i asked him specifically about the aftermath i was fascinated by why when the titanic wasn't actually um and unfortunately our biggest uh peacetime shipping disaster why it's the one that's captured the imagination so much and in my interview with gareth we go into this obviously in far more detail. It's about 35, 45 minutes long. It's on, available on YouTube. Um, but there was an actress on board, for instance, they, they, the, the, and she was immediately uh, involved in the production of a film about the sinking. It gets captured in a emerging celebrity time, um, era, um, a time of movies and press intrusion effectively into the lives of people that have been through something which is going to sell papers or movies and this is also where you get a lot of the myths about the titanic coming from sort of you know stories which become better in the telling um colleen there were so many fascinating people on board there really were and so that you really get attached to i found as i was reading the book and you get to the sinking part of the ship in the book and you think please please let that person you've kind of got an inkling that surely that person hopefully um survive because we have their story but that isn't always the case it's their stories told by someone else um afterwards maria i need to re-watch the interview with gareth to refresh it in my mind before our um zoom meeting yes so our book club meeting is on on zoom so we all get to see each other and chat we're all over the world um so it's uh it's going to be fabulous i can't wait it's our first one and um the book stack behind me which you can't see on instagram sorry you can see it on youtube and facebook they are our other books for um for the book club our next one so after we finish with Gareth's on Sunday, our next book is Dr. Estelle Peronk's Blood, Fire and Gold, which I've spoken about before as well, because I love it. It is the dual biography of Elizabeth I and Catherine de' Medici. Oh, can't wait to get my teeth into that one either. So we've got fabulous, of course, books to, um, we're not going to read non-fabulous ones uh, over this year. Amy, I've been to the Titanic exhibition. We got given boarding passes when we arrived with real passenger names on and we found out we had all died at the end of the exhibition. Oh, not one of you had survived. That seems a bit, that's tragic. Um, the the description of the sinking um, from eyewitness testimony um, and multiple eyewitness testimonies is really yeah i find it quite harrowing i had to be a bit careful not to read it too close to bedtime i have to be frank um maria still waiting on on estelle's book goodness me it's like we need to order your books about a year in advance 
Uh, Joanne, yes, good point. Je- check out the Titanic discussions on Gareth's single malt uh, history podcast. So Gareth Russell, who's also my tour historian. So when I go on tour, Gareth is on every tour I do. He's with me in May. He's with me in June. He's with me in September. And he's with me next May as well. Um, but he has a fantastic podcast called Single Malt History. Um, and yes, uh, as Joanne um, points out, he's got some great discussions about the Titanic on there as well. Um, Sherry has just received her blood, fire and gold yesterday. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to book club. So if you want to be in book club and you're not already, you can join me and Sherry and Maria and Colleen. And we are going to be talking. Gail, I think, is in there somewhere. Um you can join us for book club um it's about every eight weeks i think i worked out we have the dates for for the year already and you so you can do that by joining us on patreon patreon.com forward slash british history oh it's very exciting so yeah so jenna has done that so welcome jenna and charlene as well for youtube um now i explained that i haven't gone into any particular event in history this this week because I've had so much uh, organization to be doing around tours so we have three tours this year um, and the Anne Boleyn tour which happens every May is on sale for 2024 so I've been doing all of that and taking bookings happy to say we're three quarters full uh, for next May already so if you're interested in doing the Anne Boleyn tour please don't wait because you could be waiting a very long time <laughs> um we also have though the uh, private life of Anne Boleyn which is this year uh this June into July so 29th of June till the 4th of July I apologize for it being the 4th of July to all you coming from America um but that won't be running again so please please get on that if you are interested um if you think that sounds cool and i know joanne is thinking about this but we have the elizabeth the first and mary queen of scots tour in september which is almost full as well and because that's not enough if you can't make it on tour with me that doesn't have to be it because as well as doing these live shows i have events as well and the next one is a week on friday and it's the georgians we have the georgians online history festival and the talks, we've got six historians, Tracy Borman. I've done a trailer for this actually on YouTube. I'll share it in a little while. Cause I, so there's little snippets of each of the talks. We've got Tracy Borman, uh, Anne Stott, Ilyri Lynn, Antonia Keeney, Gareth Russell and Dr. Kat, Kat Marchant. They have all done talks around the Georgians and the Georgian period. Uh, Tracy is talking about Henrietta Howard who she came up actually in one of our History After Dark um, sessions when we were talking about George II. She was a mistress of George II and she has the most fascinating life story. You cannot have any more tenacity than this lady. And actually, she was so interesting. This was Tracy Borman's first book was on Henrietta Howard and she's giving away a signed copy of her book um, for a, a we have a free prize draw as part of the history festival. So everyone with a ticket gets put into, put into a free prize draw. One of the prizes is a signed copy of Tracy's book on Henrietta Howard. Um, You can also win 
Um, Caroline, you must be exhausted. Remember to get some sleep. Do you know what? <laughs> I am actually. I am, but I did get a good night's sleep last night, so it's okay. I'll keep trying periodically to get just one of those massive nights sleep. Um, yeah, so in the free prize draw, you can also win the price of your ticket back. You can win a £15 or $15 or whatever equivalent it is in your currency um, Amazon voucher. Uh, what else do we have? Well, those three things at least. I can't remember what else we have in there. Um, we also have, so in terms of talks, Anne Stott is talking about Princess Charlotte. Now, Princess Charlotte, um, she came up briefly before, didn't she? Is uh, She was the only legitimate granddaughter of George III so George III had got multiple sons um and only one of them had uh, had produced a legitimate child and that was George who became George uh, the, who became the prince regent who became George IV his only survive his only daughter excuse me legitimate daughter was uh princess charlotte and princess charlotte um she only lived to the age of 21. She died in childbirth or just after following childbirth complications um, after the, the, the stillbirth. And she um, was deeply mourned on the scale of, you know, we remember the, um, the, the grief about Princess Diana, Princess Charlotte, the, the level of grief about Princess Charlotte was exactly the same. Um, Colleen, where does my energy come from? I don't, I don't know. I don't know because I do fit. I fit in CrossFit as well, as much as I can, <clears throat> as well. Need to do that, otherwise my back will cave. <laughs> so, um, so Anne Stott is talking to us about Princess Charlotte. Fascinating figure, someone everyone should really know about. Her death caused a crisis in terms of the succession because like I say she was at the only um she was the only legitimate uh, grandchild of, of George III she's 21 she's already an adult so you can kind of imagine how old her uncles are getting and none of them have got legitimate children she goes obviously her 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 baby boy unfortunately is is stillborn two generations are wiped out in one go and uh, only sort of the, uh, the, the, the fully adult, middle-aged children of George III um, survive, uh, you know, are still around uh, who can take over the, the, the throne. And, of course, her fa- um, Charlotte's father does as George IV and then his brother as William, uh, William IV. But that's what sparks off this really funny, in a way, um, marriage and, you know, bit uh, marriages and bids to have legitimate children which result in the birth of which results in the birth of only one other legitimate grandchild and that was princess victoria who became queen victoria so without charlotte's death we wouldn't have had victoria which i've got a feeling dr cat would have been quite happy about uh you'd have to listen to history after dark if you want to know cat's views on queen victoria so we have Anne start talking about princess charlotte then illyri lynn if any of you uh been to somewhere like Kensington Palace and seen their amazing exhibitions on the um the the clothing that they have there through from I mean Diana I saw Diana's um clothing there 
there was a there was Queen Elizabeth's and Princess Margaret's clothing there. If you ever saw the Bacton altar cloth, um, the the dress of uh, Elizabeth I, if you've ever seen that on display, it's Illyria Lynn, who was the textiles curator at Historic Royal Palaces. She is doing a talk on dressing the Georgians, um, which is really fascinating you've got to remember the georgian period is this this time of the mantua that ridiculously wide skirt that um that women at court had to wear and you were not allowed to wear the same outfit twice and each outfit could probably feed a village for a month you know the, the, in terms of the cost of them they're incredible but Elyria talks all about the fashions at court um Antonia Keeney who is the social historian at Blenheim Palace has done a fantastic talk uh, she's entitled it Saints Sinners and Sca- sorry Saints Sinners and Scoundrels the colorful characters of Blenheim Palace's past it's like a real life um uh, Bridgerton <laughs> so uh Mayfair Forest which, which says somebody asked earlier which historical figure you would want to interview how about if you could put someone from history on a polygraph lie detector test hmm. so I think there is an alarming number of them who were probably quite open about their intentions and probably should have had more forethought, humility, character, intelligence to not have been quite so um, so open. But um, I'll have a think about that one. I'll have a think about that one. Um, Colleen, can you imagine having to help help you get dressed every day? Yes. Well, this is this is why they had. We know they they had dressing servants, don't we? Because they just there's no way you could have got it into it yourself. Um, Marion, do you have any thoughts on why all of George III's sons had all those mistresses when he and his wife Charlotte had been a devoted uh, family life? Mm, I think they probably had the means and lack of discipline. I don't know enough about about the day-to-day sort of upbringing they would have had to be able to probably assess that. Um, Colleen Henry could probably pass one. Yes, yeah, see, Henry VIII could probably pass a lie detector test because he, <laughs> for all his abominable uh, wishes, he was pretty much open about them. I suppose you could take a particular time of someone's life and ask them their intentions. It may have come out later, and we know them because we're looking back. Um, Yes, living the collective life. Can you give an overview of how the online history festival works? I've never participated in something like that. I know about the talks. Are they shown at specific times or watched at leisure? They are both. Thank you for that question. So the event is on Eventbrite. Um, so I will, um, in fact, I can put up the link um, on on Instagram. No, not on Instagram. Sorry, everybody. That's in the bio In uh, on uh, on YouTube and Facebook at the moment. So you the, the talks are um, released at particular times. Once they're released, though, they're available until the end of May, so May the 31st. So if you can't make any of the talks at the, at the time or some of the talks, it really doesn't matter. You can catch up at your leisure. You can re-watch 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so you can rewatch them. You can watch them um, at a later date. Um, <laughs> Mayfair Forest, which I live in a really small apartment. It's only practical, really, to wear logging. Lo- leggings excuse me uh, but if I did live in a castle I would definitely want to wear an extravagant gown yeah you want to flounce about and you've got staircases to to descend and look regal around uh Debbie yeah Henry VIII wasn't lying he was just despicable oh Doug good suggestion Richard III <gasps> Richard III Richard III and Henry VII um interview them about the princes in the tower Hmm, that would be good. Debbie agrees. St- Debbie staircases to fall down. <laughs> there is de- having worn Tudor gown that wasn't quite to my height because I'm only short. Um, there is definitely a technique to making sure you don't trip forward over your skirts. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, so all of these talks I'm talking about, they go live, but I can tell you. So the Tracy Borman talk will go live at 8.30 p.m. on Friday the 24th. Um, And Anne Stott's talk about Princess Charlotte goes live at 9.30 that night. Then the following day, Saturday the 25th of March, we have O'Leary Lynn at four o'clock talking about dressing the Georgians. We'll be talking about those Mantua Mantua Gigantica gowns. Uh, six o'clock, Antonia Keeney is talking saints, sinners and scoundrels, um, specifically about the characters from Blenheim's, Blenheim Palace's past. Really fascinating. And then the following day, Sunday, now this is our finale day. Um, we have Dr. Cat, Katrina Marchant, talking about bare knuckles, the world of Georgian bare knuckle boxes, which is fabulous. Honestly, it's fantastic. It watch the I'll I'll post the trailer after this and you can watch and there's a little bit of Cat's Talk, which um there's two little bits actually out of Cat's Talk, which is <laughs> just brilliant. Brilliant. That goes live at two o'clock on the Sunday. Like I say, they're all available to the end of May from the points that they go live. Four o'clock so our final talk is from Gareth Russell. It's the abolitionist, abolitionists, aristocrats and adventurers, Georgian Island and the birth of the United Kingdom. You don't currently know what you don't know. Watch Gareth's talk and you will find out a whole plethora of, of, of bits you didn't even sort of know you didn't know. It's really good. And then at seven o'clock on the Sunday evening, we have a live historian panel where you can come along and put your questions to them in the comments. If you know you're not going to be around for that Q&A, then you can um, you can submit your questions early. If you send them to office at BritishHistoryTours.com, that will get through to me and Catherine and we can put the um, we can put the questions to the historian panel. And then we finish. <laughs> with the bring your own bottle and nibbles uh closing quiz now, this is just for fun although we, and we do the free prize draw actually as well at this point that's eight thirty on the sunday night so i suppose if you're going to m- make anything live um the historian panel and the uh the closing event the, the quiz is the, the most fun what well, the bits to to come along to um and we can uh yeah and, and at that point sorry i'd do the free prize draw um so there's there's loads that 
you can get on the, on the weekend and also, you know, keep, uh, you'll get the links and you can follow it up. The tickets I'm going to keep on sale until the end of the Sunday. So even if you haven't managed to get your ticket by the time we go live on this Sunday, then you can um, you can join us for those and then grab, grab hold of the, the talks. But the tickets will close for sale on uh, Sunday, the 26th of March. It is a great lineup. So proud. Now, let me give you a little exclusive. I need a drink first about what's going to happen for the next one. Yes, please. Living an eclectic life. Do so. Do register today. It's on. Let me tell you. It's um, if you go to um, www.thegeorgians2023.eventbrite.co.uk and you can buy your ticket there. You can also, if you miss the Stuart Online History Festival. You can buy that as an extra um, bundle and um, uh, and you can watch all of those talks from the Stuart um, History Festival as well. Uh, Maria, it's next weekend, right? It is. Yes, the 24th till the uh, 26th of March. I have a save the date for you as well. Oh, just poured water down myself. Um, autumn's online history festival this is an exclusive just for you guys here we are doing the tudors the tudors online history festival will be from the 17th till the 19th of november pop it in your diaries um when the tickets go on sale for that there will be a, a small number of early bird tickets so you you if you're members of my patreon well, if you're members of my Patreon, you get a 10% discount on your tickets for these events anyway, regardless of when you buy the tickets. Um, and, uh, but yes, if you, but if you sign up to my Substack, which is my free weekly newsletter, then you will hear about the tickets going on sale and obviously can hopefully grab one of the early bird ones. Um, Sherry says the Stuart Summit was terrific. Thank you very much. Yes. So if you did miss that, it's worth having well I think it's very worth it and Sherry thinks so too it's worth having a look at adding that as a as an extra bundle so that you can um you can watch this the we had seven talks for that one um uh that was that was incredibly interesting it all is it all is isn't it this is I don't know the it's the history of people at the end of the day and people are endlessly fascinating um so yeah it's uh it's going to be it's going to be great. So uh, we are 50 minutes uh, in. Um, I would ask you to keep your fingers crossed that I will go to Beaver Castle tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> third time lucky. Hopefully I will get there and I'll be able to tell you about Beaver Castle next week. If you're members of my patron and I do get there, then you will get extra photos or you get you'll get photos of my visit tomorrow pretty quick after my visit um and that's about it for today I think but thank you all so much for joining me today if you're around for history after dark tonight you can join myself Kat Marchant, Dr Kat who's reading the past on YouTube Catherine Brooks the historical collaborator you can join us three on uh on Instagram and YouTube tonight, History After Dark. Um, we're talking Isabella of France, the wife 
of Edward II. Edward II, if you remember, is the one who was imprisoned in Berkeley Castle. There's the myth around how he died with the red hot poker. He's buried in Gloucester Cathedral, which many of you will have seen I was at last week. Living the eclectic life says, love all the photos. Yeah. Yes. I'll try and give you a bit. I, To be honest, I, when I go somewhere, I'm, I, it's a good job I don't have a traditional camera anymore. It's a good job we have phones because I could take 700 photos of somewhere I've been before. <laughs> um, so uh, Jules says, the she-wolf for France. Yes, but what I want to know is when she was called that because the she-wolf of france was actually as far as i understand it a, a nickname given by shakespeare to margaret of anjou the wife of henry the sixth and then that term applied to other queens who had basically overstepped overstepped the mark i mean to be fair isabella she deposed her anointed king, her husband, and served as regent to a point for her son, Edward III, to a point where he decides to overthrow her and kill her lover. So, um, yeah, it's not as it's, you know, I think I think there's sort of a, an inclination that if a woman did something, then it, we must all sort of think that it was for the best and she was maligned somehow. This woman, uh, this woman had, uh, oversaw a coup. <laughs> so we're going to have very very interesting conversation about her tonight i am very sure uh maria is that the castle that's uh yeah the the mental spelling but it's pronounced beaver yeah the castle i'm going to i'm touching wood is pronounced beaver but it's spelt belvoir b-e-l-v-o-i-r so uh yeah if you can't make history after dark tonight but you are a member of my patron i will see you sunday for book club the link is in patreon it's on our page so just click on it at the time that we're going live and uh, i will let you into the room and i'll see you there everyone else if you're here next wednesday one o'clock um we'll be talking the execution of cranmer and hopefully beaver castle all right, everybody. Have a great day. Uh, and hopefully I'll see you very, very soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.